0: Pastor Hernan, he told me he was going to be away um, and asked me to preach for him. It's a real honor to be here, and I thank him uh, for the opportunity. And I did have a few messages in mind that I was going to preach on. And turns out one of the messages I had in mind, uh, Brother Ketula preached this morning. Um, I had the exact same text as him, a few different points, but I won't be preaching that message to you tonight. I'll be preaching a uh, different message. Oh, thank you. From uh, Psalm chapter 27. Psalm chapter 27 and uh, the message you heard this morning from Mark chapter 4 of Jesus and his disciples going through the storm and how we really need to put our trust in God when the storms of life um, come our way. And I believe this really goes hand in hand with what I'm going to preach, on, preach to you tonight. Uh, the title of my message is Trusting God in Every Situation. Trusting God in Every Situation, Psalm chapter 27. Um, I won't get you to stand. We'll be reading the whole, the whole chapter this, this evening. Uh, so Psalm chapter 27, follow along with me as I read. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me upon a rock. And now shall mine head be lifted above mine enemies. Round about me. Therefore, will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me and answer me. When thou saidest, Seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, Thy face, Lord, will I seek. Hide not thy face far from me. Put not thy servant away in anger. Thou hast been my help. Leave me not, neither forsake me, O God of my salvation. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Let's pray. Dear gracious Lord and heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this time that we have tonight. Lord, I want to thank you for this church. I want to thank you for the faithfulness of its members, Lord. I want to thank you for all that you're doing here in this place. Lord, I just want to thank you for the opportunity to come and sing praises unto your name, but more importantly, hear what your word would have to say. Lord, I pray that you would just tie the devil up like the dog that he is, Father, and keep him far away from this place tonight. Lord, I pray that you would just hide me behind your cross. Lord, calm my nerves, and Lord, just help me to preach your word as you would want it to be preached. Lord, we love you and we thank you for all that you do in Jesus' name, amen. Psalm 27, trusting in God in every situation. I read a short story about two men that were in hospital. Uh, These two men shared the same room. It was a small room and only had two beds in it. And one man laid in a bed next to a window. And another man laid next to a bed against the wall. And every day the nurses would come in and they would attend to the man sitting next to the window. And they would lift him up to drain his lungs of some fluid. And every day as he would be lifted up, he would he would look outside the window and he would describe for the man next to the wall the events that took place. Sometimes he would look out the window, he would describe a a beautiful park where fathers are with their sons uh, teaching them how to fish. Other times he would describe of maybe a husband and wife going out on a lovely picnic. But each and every day he would look out that window and describe for the man next to the wall what he would see. And one day the man next to the wall thought, how is it fair that I can only hear about these things on a second-hand basis. And he says, how is it fair that this man gets to witness it with his eyes, but I can only witness it with my ears? And one night, the man next to the window was struggling to breathe. Uh, fluids had come into his lungs, and the man next to the wall could have easily called for the nurses, but instead he left the man next to the window, and sadly the man next to the window died. The nurses came in and cleaned up the mess and took the man out and After some time, the man next to the wall uh, mustered up the courage and asked the ladies to move him next to the window. The next morning, the man, he was sitting next to the window, now looked up, and to his dismay, when he looked out the window, all he found was a brick wall staring back at him. It's a very interesting story that I just said that uncovers that what you see is not determined by what's around you, but rather what is in you. And that's basically what David is saying in this passage in Psalm 27. Uh, he, he He had a trial in his life. He was looking at a trial in his life, but yet he didn't allow that trial to affect what he saw. But rather what was in him, that trust in the Lord, helped him to give thanks to the Lord. David wrote this psalm, Psalm 27, and above Psalm 27 is written a song of safety, a psalm of David. We don't know the exact circumstances around of which this psalm was written. There's no specific details as to why David wrote this psalm. But as you read this psalm, there are details of events that occurred in David's life. And I believe he was writing this psalm as a reflection on his life that he had uh, gone through thus far. And I believe that Psalm 27 is good news for each and every situation we will find ourselves in. Because in this message, we find that we can face anything if God is your everything. I want to ask you this question tonight, is God your everything? Is God your everything? As we come into this year, January has already come and gone, how quick that has been. But this year, no doubt, we we will face tough situations. We will face trials in our lives that will try to knock us down. But as this psalm says, if God is your everything, you can trust Him in all things. And what does it mean to trust God in every situation? And I believe that Psalm 27 gives us two truths about life and how life of steadfast trust and then life of stubborn trust. Notice with me, number one, a testimony of steadfast trust. And we'll be going through each of these verses tonight, verses 1 through 14. So if you want to know when I'm concluding, you'll know when we get to verse 13 that we'll almost be done. But I'm not a long preacher, never have been, never will. So I won't keep you too long here this evening, but notice with really, me, number one, the testimony of a steadfast trust. And as I was doing some study about Psalm 27, reading some commentaries, uh, one, one commentary written that Psalm 27 opens up with one of the most sublime Old Testament affirmations of the security of the believer. In verses one through six, the, the first half of this psalm is, is a psalm of a song of confidence in God. And we see these verses that a steadfast trust is about confidence in God, but it is also about communion with God. So letter A, steadfast trust lives with confidence in God. Let's look at verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? David here in, in this first verse makes a threefold testimony about his confidence in the Lord. Uh, look with me what he says in the first in the first few words, the Lord is my light. Uh, and it's interesting to note that this is the only time in the Old Testament where the Lord is referred to as light. Uh, it's the only time where all in the Old Testament you will read, the Lord is my light. And what this means is that it's talking about God's truth. It's talking about His goodness. It's talking about His holiness. The Lord is my light. But what else does this mean if you... Follow along with me and you keep reading in verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. And in this context of the verse, this word salvation is, is not referring to the removal of sins. It's not referring to the forgiving of sins, but rather it means to rescue from danger. It's a divine deliverance. It's when the Lord intervenes in your life to bring you out of that trial, to bring you out of that temptation and to give you salvation and strength to carry on. I love what Romans 8.32 says, He that spared not his own Son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? The Lord who is our light, the Lord who is our salvation, is also the Lord of our strength. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? This word here, the word strength is a very specific word. It's it's a word not. It's a word pertaining to a to a stronghold. It's a particular place of comfort. It's a place where we can run to be delivered. Proverbs eight twenty says, "The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and is safe." The word strength. It's a, it's a place of refuge, a hiding place, and this is what the Lord Jesus Christ is to us. Amen. He, he's a light. He is our light. He is our salvation. He is the stronghold of our lives. And therefore, David asks us two questions. David says, knowing that the Lord is your light, knowing that the Lord is your strength, knowing that the Lord is your salvation, he asks two questions. He says, whom shall I fear? And then he says, whom shall I be afraid? And I want to tell you tonight, if a Christian and you're living in fear, it's either one of two things. The first is that of guilty, conscience. Proverbs 28.1 says, the wicked flee when no man pursueth. But the righteous are bold as a lion. But if it's not a guilty conscience, the only other explanation for fear in the life of a believer is that of a lack of faith. Yes, there are many things in this world that are going to want to get you. There are things in this world that are going to scare us. There are things in this world that are going to bring fear, but we can trust in the Lord. If the Lord is your light and your salvation and your strength, there is nothing to be afraid of. I love what David says in Psalm chapter 23, verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff. They comfort me. Verse 1 of Psalm 27 presents absolute confidence in God. But notice with me in verses 2 and 3 that David presents an abiding confidence in God. Verse 2. When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. David remembered a time when evil men came upon him. He remembered a time where evildoers came to face him. And he doesn't refer to these evildoers as just general people, but rather he, he gives a picture of a scavenger and an animal. And they were coming, it was a surprise attack, they came out to get him. He alluded to them as wild animals, but he says, and he says, they were trying to eat up my flesh, but watch this, because he trusted in the Lord, it says, they were the ones that stumbled and fell. His enemies came to attack him, but in the end, they were the ones that stumbled and fell. But not only does he talk about maybe a sudden attack, he also talks about a a long-winded attack. He talks about more of a siege of a, of, a, of a city where they would camp outside and they would kill the city from within. He says that even though that a, a great enemy would come upon me, though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. And some troubles that we face are going to be like wild animals. We might not see it coming. It's a storm in life. We, we, we didn't know that we were going to get to that storm. But other trials in life are going to be long-winded. They're going to be there for a while. But whether you're going through a quick trial or you're going through a long trial, trust in the Lord. There's no reason to fear, says David. But David pleads with us to put our confidence in the Lord. Steadfast trust, as seen in verses 1 through 3, lives in confidence with God. And notice with me, verses 4 through 6, Let it be that steadfast trust lives with communion with God. David's confidence was in God was a natural overflow of his communion with God. Warren Weasby, a great commentator of the Bible, said that the secret to David's public confidence was found in his private obedience. Look with me in verse 4 of Psalm 27. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, And to inquire in his temple. I want to ask you this thing tonight. What is your one thing? What what is that consuming passion? What is that driving force? What is that ultimate priority in your life that you so desire after? What is your one thing? I want to challenge you tonight to be a one thing Christian. Many times we, we become too busy focusing on many things. Maybe we focus about my next job, my next house, my, maybe your next children if you're married, but the Bible says we need to focus on one thing. I love what Philippians three thirteen to 14 says, Brethren, I count on myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And back in Psalm chapter 27, one thing have I desired of the Lord. David says there's, there's one thing that I've asked the Lord. There's, there's one thing that, that fills my desire that I desperately want to have. There's only one thing that I desperately want. But when you really break it down, it's almost three things. He says, number one, that I want to dwell in the house of the Lord. True faith isn't personal. Or true faith is personal, sorry, but it isn't private. And if you really believe in Jesus, if you really have that trust in Him, you will go public with your faith. Be as David did, and he was public with his faith. And David says that no matter what I'm going through, yes, a trial in my life has hit me, but this one thing I desire, and that is to get to the house of the Lord. May we too, as Christians, have that same desire as David, to to have that one desire to get to the house of the Lord. I've seen it in my church many times when someone goes through a trial, the first thing they get rid of is their church attendance. And I'm guilty of myself, whenever you come to a hard point in your life, the last thing you want to do is go to church. The last thing you want to do is pray. The last thing you want to do is read your Bible. But David is saying different things here. He's saying even though he was faced with a trial, the one thing he desperately desired was to get to the house of the Lord. It says, One thing have I desired of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. But why? To behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. Many times we get discouraged because we are paying attention to the wrong thing. Worship is really looking in the right direction and remembering the amazing grace of God. One thing I desire, David so desperately desired to be in the house of the Lord that he could gaze on the Lord's beauty, he could inquire in his temple. Someone once said that faith asks questions, but doubt demands answers. David says he he just wants to lay his case before the Lord. I want to be able to inquire in the temple of the Lord. And you might ask why. Look with me in verse 5. For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. He shall set me upon a rock. This is the protective care, the, the protective mercy, the, the rescuing grace of God. David is saying, when I, when I came into the house of the Lord, the Lord did three things for me. He said he will hide you in his pavilion in time of trouble. He, he will conceal you in the cover of his tabernacle when the heat of life is beaming down of you. And thirdly, it says that he will lift you high upon the rock when the flood waters of trouble are round about you. Look with me now in verse 6 And now shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. David is, has come against this trial. He He has pleaded with the Lord. He has entered into his temple. He has gazed upon the beauty. He has sung praises. But now he's singing praise unto the Lord. And look at me in verse 6. And now shall mine head be lifted up. David is already claiming the victory before the battle is even over. David is already saying, hey, I'm going to have victory over this trial. But he knows that it's nothing of his own doing. But rather it is the strength of the Lord. And many times we go through life, we may overcome a trial and Maybe think it was something that we had done, but let me tell you, nothing in ourselves will give us victory. But rather, it's the Lord working in us, it's the Lord working for us that we can gain victory over these trials. How come you're here tonight, the Lord allowed it? And every victory, we should give God the glory, just as David did in Psalm chapter 27. He he would shout for joy and sing praise. Verses 1 through 6 of Psalm 27 are, A testimony of steadfast trust. But look with me now as we go into verses 7 through 14. I want to see secondly that it's a testimony of stubborn trust in God. We saw firstly a testimony of steadfast trust, but notice with me now a testimony of stubborn trust. Some scholars in studying Psalm 27 have speculated that maybe Psalm 27 was two different psalms merged into one. And the reason they say that is because in verse seven the the tone and the content of the psalm abruptly shifts. In verses one through six, David speaks about the Lord, but in verses seven through fourteen, David speaks directly to him. There there is affirmation in verses one through six, but then in seven through fourteen there is petition. There is confidence in verses one through six, but in verses seven through fourteen there is lamentation. There is faith in verses 1 through 6 and fear in verses 7 through 14. But yes, the psalm brings two different situations, but that doesn't draw us away from the point. And a scholar has labelled this part of the psalm as the soul's changing moods. Has it ever happened to you? Maybe you might wake up in a good mood and things happen throughout the day and by the end of the day you've just had enough. This is basically what is happening in this psalm. It's, It's two different moves that are portraying itself. But nonetheless, David says that he's just going to keep trusting in the Lord. Stubborn faith prays when things are getting bad and it prays when things will get better. So letter A, stubborn faith prays when things get bad. Look with me in verse 7. It says, Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy also upon me and answer me. This here in verse 7 is is an urgent call for help. David is pleading with the Lord. He says, Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me and answer me. David is pleading with the Lord to hear and answer him. And David knows that he doesn't necessarily deserve his prayers to be answered, but he still pleads with the Lord based on his grace and based on his goodness. David seeks God's ear in verse 7, but notice with me in verse 8 of Psalm 27, When thou saidest, seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, Thy face, Lord, will I seek. This verse here begins with a divine invitation. When thou saidest, seek ye my face. Church, God wants you to seek Him daily. God wants you to seek His face. God wants to know you intimately. God wants to be that consuming passion, that, that ultimate priority, that dominating presence in your life. The Lord wants what is best for you, and He knows that He is the best thing that could ever happen to us. So He commands you and I to seek His face. And then David responds with how we should respond to this invitation. Look with me in verse 9. It says, Hide not thy face far from me. Put not thy servant away in anger. Thou hast been my help. Leave me not. Neither forsake me, O God, of my salvation. And David doesn't pray this prayer because he is fearful of what the Lord will do any of these things. He's, he's not praying to that the Lord would not hide his face or turn away or cast him out or forsake him, but rather he is praying this desperate plead and uh, this desperate prayer, because God is the only one that can help him in this situation. David knew that the Lord was the only one that could get him out of this desperate trial, and David knew that the Lord was the only one that got him out of trials in the past and David acknowledged that the Lord will be the only one to bring him out of this trial once again. And the reason I know he was praying like this is seen in verse 10. It says, When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. Parents all over the world are seen to maybe abandon, deny, and reject their children. But... To David, this was just such a foreign concept that he uses the parents as a standard of divine faithfulness. The assumption that he's placing here is that a mother and a father would would never think to forsake their child. And in fact, the scholars say that as David wrote this verse, maybe he was reflecting on the death of his parents. And if this is true, it it only makes the point more precious. David is saying that even if my mother and my father would forsake me, the Lord would take me up. He's saying even when all else fails in my life to the point where my own parents forsake me, the Lord never will. When my father or my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. I love what it says in Isaiah 49:15 through 16 says, can a woman forget her sucking child, that she would not have compassion on the son of her womb, Yea, they may forget, and I love this, yet will I not forget thee. Behold, I have graven thee upon the palms of my hands. Thy walls are continually before you. When all else fails, church, God will take you in. When all else fails, God will take you up. When all else fails, God will take you through. So stubborn trust learns how to, pr- how to keep praying when things go bad. And let it be, stubborn trust learns how to pray for things to get better. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're going through as a church. I don't know what you're going through as a family. I don't know what you're going through as an individual. But I want to say if you trust in the Lord, it's going to get better. But more than that, it's going to get better. It's got to get better. And David even acknowledges that in verse 11. He says, teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path because of mine enemies. David says, Lord, I I need you to teach me how to act. And this is the heart of a true worshiper. Uh, This is not just the heart of desires to see God's face. It's a heart that desires to learn God's ways. The Lord is the master teacher. We know that. But he's the master teacher cannot teach the unteachable. If we are not willing to be taught, the Lord will not be able to teach us. We must go through life with a teachable spirit that the Lord will be able to teach us that we, as David said, may learn His ways. Psalm 27, verse 12, we're almost done. Deliver me not over unto the will of mine enemies, for false witnesses are risen up against me, and such as breathe out cruelty. David was writing about his enemies who at the time were we were falsely accusing David. Uh, they, they were creating stories to bring him down. And David says, Lord, I need you to teach me how to act. I need you to teach me how to react so that these stories don't become true. David is a man who was on trial for his life. Yeah, the prosecutor was out there to get him. The facts have been misrepresented. But even though all the odds were against him, David still had enough faith to trust in the Lord that the Lord would get him through. David says that I believe I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, verse 13. 1 Corinthians 15, 19 says, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. And then someone once said, the God of the by and by is also the God of the here and now. The God of the by and by is also the same God of the here and now. We need to learn to trust God no matter how bad things get. Because as David says, it's, it's got to get better. And you may be going through a trial this morning, or this evening. Sorry, You may have just started a trial. You may be in the middle of a trial. Or maybe you're coming to the end of the trial. We don't know that. And maybe you're thinking, hey, I can't see how things are going to get better. I can't see the end. And I want to tell you this. Look with me in verse 14 and we'll be done. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. David didn't know when this trial was going to end. He didn't know when he would push through this, this difficult time in his life, but David knew that if he would wait on the Lord and he would have good courage, that the Lord would strengthen him. Don't take matters into your own hands to get you through this trial. Don't, don't run ahead of God, but simply wait on the Lord I love what Isaiah 40:31 says and it's up there with one of my favorite verses in all of the Bible but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength they shall mount up with wings as eagles they shall run and not be weary and they shall walk and not faint wait on the Lord be of good courage and he shall strengthen thine heart wait I say on the Lord. I don't know if you've been taking notes or keeping score, but verse 14 is the third time that David makes reference to the heart. In verse 3, we read of a trusting heart who is trusting in God and is not afraid. In verse 8, we have a seeking heart that is wanting to put the Lord in front of everything else. And now, lastly, we'll finish in verse 14 as a waiting heart that takes courage in the Lord. Wait on the Lord. Be strong. Let your heart take courage. I'll ask that you all have your heads bowed and your eyes closed this evening. I want to read to you a story and then I'll hand it over to Brother EJ to finish it a story about a man by the name of J.C. Penney. J.C. Penney built a successful company as a great philanthropist and enjoyed a successful life until 1929. 1929 was the year that the stock market crashed. Many say that he would have professed to be a believer having been brought up in church, but losing things exposed him. He became physically sick. His physical sickness was rooted in his emotional stress. And as a result, J.C. Penny had a breakdown. He was admitted into hospital not for physical sickness, but for mental and emotional ones. And some say that he lay there on the verge of suicide. One night, he was so confident that he would not make it till the morning that he started to write his family goodbye notes. Halfway through the night, he fell asleep, then woke up still in this world. That morning, he would wake up and go for a walk through the halls. And as he was walking up and down the hallway, he heard the singing of a familiar song and connected it to the chapel where he would find a small group of believers singing. And it is said that it was that night that he marked the night of his conversion. That night, God softened his heart and he trusted in Jesus truly for himself. And he wrote down these lyrics in a, in a diary saying, Be not dismayed, whatever be tired, God will take care of you. Beneath his wings of love abide, God will take care of you. Church, no matter what situation you were going through this evening, no matter what trial in your life has Come about to make you fall. You can trust God in every situation, brother EJ. Please keep your heads, uh, your eyes. Closed.